All right, episode seven today of the TurfCast podcast. And once again, we're just back to have some fun talking about turf. I think we have some good topics today that some interesting things have happened in the last week or so in so many different aspects here in some of my renovation work and things going on on YouTube. All of the, I guess, all of the above, you would say. So how are you doing today, Ryan? I am good, sir. And uh, I, I appreciate you... Uh bring me on and, and chatting a little bit here you know yeah it's it's more of a grab bag topic day than like a, a deep dive because you're like you're saying things are moving quick and it seems like um you know not even on the ads that appear before the videos but there has been some polarizing content on youtube here yeah. as of late uh and not just from you know from you because we know if anybody's going to get into uh you know, the, the really divisive stuff. It's going to be Ryan Nor, of course. Right. Exactly. I, mean, I am a shit yeah, starter no. is what I am. <laughs> yeah. I, you're, you knew you are the main street of turf on YouTube. I love that. You know, doesn't matter what side of the street you walk on, you come over here, you just get some good stuff and people enjoy it. Um, and yeah, so, but that sand video, man, I think uh, a lot of people weren't expecting this. Tell me this deal with, with Connor, I need to know a little bit more backstory because I, I honestly don't. I don't know nothing of this. Why was sand such a big deal for you to like commit to that and go to it? You know, I don't, I think just because I knew the method that I was using so well for so long of, you know, even if it was sort of a yearly thing, which I think people were making fun of me for like, you're leveling your lawn again. I saw that comment so many times before when even when I was doing soil stuff and it was like I once I had done that sifted method and I actually had a really fine material going on there it really wasn't that much different than using sand it's just the actual material was easier to grow in and I could kind of roll it in and get it to go into the low spots and I would just reseed and all that but this year I specifically on that side yard that I talked about which is now two years old it's just mm-hmm. not the way that it used to be. And so I was like, okay, I'm finally going to, if I put more soil on here, then things are going to get smothered. And it, in, unless, you know, I put like a super small amount on, but that's not really going to do too much at that point. So I've either yeah. got to do that and reseed things, or I've got to try the sand method and once and for all get to a different method of doing things. And like you and I talked about, sometimes it's also about learning something that you don't know. So I wanted to, to get down that road too. I'll tell you what, that's uh, that's an interesting way of learning something that you don't know of shoveling gorilla cart load after gorilla <laughs> cart load of sand. You have a very uh, different uh, outlook on learning than maybe what I do, but I, I, I appreciate that about you. So so I guess when do you think you'll know if you were right or wrong? <laughs> well, I like all things in my life that I do. I shortly afterwards was like, holy crap. I wish I would not have done this. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And the reason being is just that, you know, I had a, I will say that this year I was pretty happy with my yard overall and made it through all of that summer stress and made it through a really, really difficult weather season that we had here. And so I was looking at things and 
you know, you know when you start to get that fall that's just come back and the the grass almost like instantly eats it up and you can see it change from yeah. oh, I'm stressed to this is amazing. So it had just hit that point and that's exactly when I decided to tear the hell out of it and put all this stuff down. So then I get always to that point of what did I do this for? Was it a good idea? And is it actually going to work like I thought it was going to? But now I'm about two weeks past that and things are looking really good. It's The thickness of the yard has gone down quite a bit, which I knew was going to happen just because of what I put on there and how heavy it was. But it wasn't extremely heavy, but you know, still enough material going on that it's going to thin some of that canopy out a little there. So the seed is on there now. It's starting to grow and it'll get back there, but... I'm learning. I'm still learning for sure. No, I, I think that's, that's the best way to take it is, uh, I think you've, you've learned how to manage your expectations really well to where I want to do this. I have this outcome in mind. I, I think, and I, you know, you, you've obviously used a lot of resources to get to that point. I think this is how I need to do it. And you've you've gone out and done it and just sort of learned where I think where people so often and how this happens at the pro level too I see it you know constantly and, and you learn that that patience and everything doing it for a living to a certain extent but that that patience to see it through know that there's going to be some bumps in the road and you're probably going to have some curveballs thrown at you and you have to deal with it and you know what it might not turn out exactly how you want to um but being able to not be too, um, I guess too, too with too much going on, you know, there's a lot of times where people just throw everything in the kitchen sink and be like, man, I don't know what happened. I don't know what went wrong. Well, it could have been one of those 89 steps and 14 <laughs> products and yeah. like, what the hell, man? Like let's just dumb this down and just go with like seed for water soil and a little bit of sunlight and see what happens before, um, we get so carried away. And I think that's, that's the thing is that everybody wants that little bit of an edge, but, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it here going forward, but the basics are, they're not undefeated, but you know, they're, they're pretty close. So, um, yeah, we can talk about yeah, that. And I think the thing with, forward, the but. thing with Connor is just about more of my, I guess pseudo rivalry, you would call it that he and I go oh, back and yeah. forth, which, it, which it's just fun for us. But, uh, the thing was, is, and I will give him a lot of credit because a lot of the things that I've gotten into were just things that I didn't necessarily think were possible in a home situation. And he sort of is that type of person that says, why can I not do this? Like you told me I can't do it. So yes, I'm going to do it. And so that all started with him and the real mowing and all that stuff. And I've enjoyed it thoroughly, but it got to that sand point too, where he's like, you need to be putting down sand on that yard. And I was like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. And then finally like, yeah, I'll try it. And so, but he was like, oh, you can't do it. You're not going to be able to be, you don't have a drag. You don't have this and that. I was like, Connor, I will do it. I guarantee you, I will do it. You know, it's funny. I, I really hadn't like comprehended or thought about it. Like clearly there's like this whole like odd couple thing going on with your personalities. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, like the, the goal, I think in both cases for each of you is the same, but you're definitely the more analytical type. Like you got to think it all the way through and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to like psychoanalyze you, but I, I enjoy seeing 
oh, you're people right. who, who, who like manage these things well and like how they get there. What is it that is good about them and their characteristics and their traits and everything like that? So yeah, you're more analytical. And I, I don't know exactly what Connor does for a living, but I think it's something to do with construction, right? Yes, yeah. He's like a project so he, manager, yeah. So he's got that mind where literally, I mean, I see these on, I see this on good, good folks that are in, um, you know, the trades and construction, like what he's in, where they can just like visualize it and very rapidly just put it all together in their head. And then it's just a matter of doing it, you know, like, okay, hey, we got to do this and this and this. And they're very good at sequencing things because they know this would have to go after that, but before this, so on and so forth. And you just kind of get to that point and you're the kind that you're going to deal with failure along the way. Whereas he'll build the whole thing out. If it, if it's really critical issue, he'll deal with it as it comes up, but otherwise we'll fix it after, you know, Yep. we know how we, if we get this whole building up and we've got a, you know, a punch list that's 10 items long, like whatever, that's fine. The building's up. I can show something to somebody and we can work through this. And there's just as much to learn that way too. So yeah, it's interesting, interesting to see, you know, these different personality types and, and approaches that are successful and how it all bleeds together to basically, again, the same outcome. So uh, yeah, and I, there, enjoy, there, I enjoy watching that part. There is no, I mean, it's completely truthful in some ways, like our back and forth with each other, because when he does call me, like he called me uh, last week, I think one time, and he was talking about some of my plans for renovation in my yard yet and stuff like that. And he's like, just go do this. Just go get your irrigation put in, like, go do it tomorrow. Go. And I was like, Connor, I'm not that way. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I need to think about this. I need to figure out where's everything going to go. He's like, no, you should be out there doing that right now. And it like, he just, it's exactly like you said, he has an idea. As soon as he has the idea, he does it. And it doesn't really matter the outcome because he'll fix it later if it doesn't work out. You you know what Dr. Phil would say? He would say that, you have a fear of commitment and Connor does not have a fear of commitment. Ryan. <laughs> That's the, we figured it out right there. We cracked the case. So, you know, you, uh, someday Dr. Phil will be up there telling you about what's wrong with your grass, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know if I do though. I got married when I was 22, Ryan. So I did too. I did too. I, I I'm not afraid of it either, but I still got to analyze and, and whatever. So, you know, with our personal lives, we make, you know, spur of the moment, great decisions. Uh, it just turns out with, you know, grass that will at some point end up killing anyway, you know, through our fault or, or maybe not even our own. Uh, apparently we have to put way more thought into that other than, you know, spending the rest of our life with a great woman or, you know, oh, man, do I want, uh, you know, do I want to go with the, the Baron Brug? or at the landmark or man, all these bluegrasses, geez, and we're sitting there wringing our hands. So yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I get it. I I'm, I'm like that too. When the, uh, the analytical side, I have, I have a tough time, you know, if you ask me where uh, we want to like, you know, go out to eat for dinner or something like that, like that, making that type of commitment or, you know, picking a cultivar or something like that. Like I'm gonna have to pour over that decision with some data and some numbers and, you know, really figure out if, uh, you know, is Texas Roadhouse the right choice? Do I really want to go with that? Is, you know, Tahoma 31 the right Bermuda grass for this school or this field? Like, man, that's tough. That's tough. But yep. yeah, you know, sign some mortgage papers, buy a house, whatever, all that stuff. Yeah, just go do it. That's fine. But I don't know. Maybe they'll analyze us someday, Ryan, and figure out uh, what's right and wrong about us. Well, but, you know, I've done some in my previous jobs. I had some different... Uh, 
some of those personality sort of tests that you take. And I did some management training and stuff like that. And it, you do kind of learn quite a bit about yourself. Not that you don't know it, but I think once people present it in front of you and, and you actually see, say, yeah, that's that's me, that's me. And I was known to be the person who should be looking at a plan and telling you why something is wrong with it according to what the tests were telling. I'm the the person who analyzes and then also... In my opinion, my wife would say I'm being negative, but I say I'm being realistic about things. Constructive criticism, I believe, is the, uh, yeah. the proper term. So, no, you got to have that. And it's, I think, I do think it's funny, though, of, you know, we look at, I'm in a different situation where, you know, managing people um, to do all this stuff because I can't do it all by myself and things like that. And so you look at all these personality types and how it gets done. And then the more I've, you know, waded in uh, here with you and like in the um, lawn care community, and this is, you know, professional lawn care people all the way to uh, homeowners. I've noticed all these same personalities that I've seen at work over the last, you know, 20 plus years they're all out there doing the same thing. It's just, you know, they might not have the same amount of training or education or resources or whatever it is, but the personality types all sort of fit. You see, Oh, you know what? That guy reminds me of, you know, Bill who I worked with back over here, you know, 10 years ago. And these are the things that helped Bill succeed. And these are the spots that maybe it didn't. And you learn from that stuff. And so uh, I just try to take that into account more and more as I help people. And it's hard to do, you know, with, for you too, from, you're getting emails and YouTube comments and Instagram responses and things like that. It's hard to untell tone and inflection and who you're talking to and what their background is, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't envy your position a lot of times, but it's good to, to sit. I'm a, I'm a conversationalist if you can't tell. And, uh, this is, this is the format that works best for me when it comes to answering questions and diving deep and all that kind of stuff. But, Yes, yeah, so we we've done the, the psychoanalysis. So what? Uh... Well, I would I would just say to finish that sand thing. The thing that I I guess I was most apprehensive about was just those words that we're not going back after this. So, and that that's sort of. And then my wife kind of calmed me down a little bit because she was like, "Okay." And I said this on a YouTube comment too because some people acted like, "Okay, I put sand down on my yard." And whatever was underneath it has disappeared. I was like, I put a half inch of sand down. The soil underneath is still there. We're not like talking like everything got replaced, you know. But she was like, well, if you don't like it, you could always cut the sod out and just like go back to your soil underneath and regrow the yard. I was like, yeah, I guess I could. Uh, No, man, you know what you've got. You've got a perfect phrase milling video all set up. Mill out that top, you know, half, three quarters of an inch start over i mean if you want to if you want to excite the neighborhood <laughs> bring a 75 horsepower tractor with a phrase mower ride side by side with a dump truck in your front lawn and you're gonna have a block party i guarantee you you're gonna need a lot of keystones for when that goes down yeah yeah well you just, so, i mean i will never say you never know what's gonna happen with me you just don't so <laughs> especially with you and keystone and a phrase mower. exactly <laughs> So this other thing that, that I saw, and I, I, I don't watch this too closely, but man, like it just seemed like anytime I was, I was hopping on some of the forums that, you know, we frequent from time to time and I, I haven't been busy, but it's just sort of everywhere. This, this 
uh, video that, that Matt Martin put out and I thought it was um, a well-intentioned video about some products and things like that and everything like that. So I don't want to talk about the content necessarily of that video and what it's trying to portray, but I know you just did some, we talked about it last time we talked about aeration a little bit and I wanted to get your sense first on what is sort of the prevailing like homeowner thought on aeration. And I'll preface this by saying in my area, and I see it like on my, my next door app, my neighborhood Facebook page and all this other stuff is, you know, they just, uh, people see it as uh, a box I need to check in the fall or in the spring and we throw some seed down. And that's just, that's what you do. You know, you aerate in the fall or you aerate in the spring, you do both. And that's just what you do. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of, of knowledge or reason why. Um, so I just didn't know what, what's your sense? Cause you're obviously dealing with a much, much broader audience than, than well, that's, I see. that's exactly what I was going to say right there is that that's sort of the mindset that I was told when I was learning all of this stuff. And still to this day, I went to the, to the other day and looked at some different general searches of that. And specifically, I look a lot of universities around here, like Iowa State, or they put out a lot of stuff for homeowners too. That's just like little, tiny little guides, you know, of mm-hmm. what to do to cool season grass. Like when should you apply this? And, and there's always stuff in there about mechanical aeration, like, it's beneficial for these reasons and you know, you should do target it for our area spring or fall, preferably fall or, and so it's really the way that I was doing things when I started and still, I, I guess I would say the more that I feel like I, I learn the less I know in some ways, because I feel like everything that I keep learning from different sides makes me more confused as to whether I'm right or I'm not, or is there a middle ground in between there where there isn't necessarily right or wrong, but more about benefits versus maybe not as beneficial as you thought something was going to do? I guess maybe that's how I would say it, but that's a very good way of saying it. I think, I think that's where people, and that's what's frustrated. I would say frustration. And I try not to get that way when I'm, you know, reading this stuff from, from other people and things like that is frustrated in the sense that it has become like this whole, you're either for it or you're against it. And well, that's not the way that science works. Like science is messy. It's complicated. It's never finished. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. always, there's always somewhere else to go with it and take it. And particularly in turf, you know, there's, there is so much that we don't know about turf. And a lot of times it comes down to we neither have uh, the means to do it, meaning we don't have the funding to do it, which uh, turfgrass research funding has, it's not gone by any stretch. There's been some really big projects that have been awarded here uh, recently by the federal government and some other uh, private agencies and whatnot. But from where it was, say, uh, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, it's a shell of itself. And a lot of it is manufacturer driven, especially on, on the product side, which makes sense. They have to prove that their products work and they want to be able to uh, compare themselves against other benchmarks in the industry and things like that. But especially for what you see um, that's coming out in some of these, some of these markets, some of these markets, 
it's stuff that is not necessarily proven. And I'm not calling anybody out for saying it's not proven. There's plenty of stuff out there that doesn't get FDA tested that people take. And, you know, that's just what it is when, when it comes to, you know, a supplement or a vitamin or something yeah. like that. But yep. When it comes to turf, you know, there's other things to consider. You know, if you're, if you're taking a, a vitamin and it doesn't work, you're just going to, you know, pee it out or something like that. You know, you're not really harming anything versus there's things that you can put into your yard that I don't think it's not like nuclear waste, but it's definitely something that is there a, a, a negative to this instead of a benefit? Is there a disincentive to putting this down? And there's some of this stuff that we just don't know. Um, and I think that's a well, real question that and needs the, to be answered. The interesting thing about after that video came out too, was I was doing some more of my own research and I happened to find this article from, I don't know, it was some golf golf magazine or golf digest, something like that. And they mm-hmm. were interviewing a superintendent at one of the courses. And I wish I had the details in front of me so I could be more accurate on who that person was or whatever. But, uh, but they were talking about aeration and it was coming from a stance of talking to a superintendent and giving advice to regular homeowners. Like, what do we do at the golf course that can actually be applied at home? What do you do at the golf course that doesn't apply at home? And so they were talking about aeration and he was like, well, you know, the golf industry too is very, uh, sort of divided between superintendents on certain topics like this too. It's not like we can act like everybody agrees on everything, even in the pro world because they don't. So that kind of opened my eyes in some senses where there people were like, I have this golf course and, I manage it this way and it looks good. And then there's another person that says, I do it this way and it looks good. So there's some different things there that basically I just, I guess the whole point of that was I just, I found it interesting that I think people are losing sight of the, of the fact that again, there's not just always right or wrong. There's sometimes where there's just different benefits and people believe what they, they believe works best. Yeah. And that's, it all comes down to a, a, a feeling right or you know a level of confidence that you have in you know a product or a technique or whatever and um it kind of it it brings me back to something i I wrote this i don't know probably three or four years ago and i kind of use this as my north star per se of you know the products that we apply to turf there's four types of products that we apply to turf right so number one is products that just don't work for whatever reason, it's bad science, it's bad derivatives, it's bad raw materials, it's bad manufacturing, poor advice on the label, poor support from the manufacturer. It could be any of those things, all the above, whatever. Uh, number two would be products that make you feel good about applying, but you don't know if they really work. And so this is usually a byproduct of really good marketing, right? Well, you know, it, it does this. It... it, it uh, whatever it, it does this in the soil or does this to the plant well how do you know well you know we haven't been able to fund any studies or really say definitively uh but we've noticed a response in the plot plots that we've done and we've got customers that say they notice a big response too oh well but how do you know that it works well you know you see when when we apply it you know we, we and it just kind of goes on and on mm-hmm. from there or Hey, you know, look at this. You can get, you know, there's, there's a lot of different marketing techniques and tactics that folks use to do that. 
the third type is products that you know that work really well, but they don't make you feel good. And those are the ones that are expensive, you know? So if you're paying agency pricing and buying a four fluid ounce bottle of Pilex herbicide at $264 plus tax for a, again, for a four fluid ounce bottle. Now that sounds like it's really, really expensive, but one, I know it works. And two, that I know that it equates out to a little bit more. It's a little bit more appealing when you look at it per acre rather than per ounce. But in any event, you know that if you have a specific problem, like say, um, you know, goosegrass, or if you're trying to take uh, common Bermuda at a cool season, like this is going to work or it's going to be one of your best tools to fight that uh, if the case might be that. So, and then the fourth type, these are the products that make you feel good about applying because you know, they really work. And these are the ones that derive the best value. So they've been proven to work and they've been proven whether it be through, um, through research or through common acceptance. So like, you know, I always say this is, you know, um, mother nature's undefeated and, NPK is a perennial championship contender. Yeah. All, all this other stuff is going to go eight and eight and probably miss the playoffs and get a shitty draft pick. <laughs> high Browns, high Vikings. <laughs> we won't even talk about this Sunday. Oh. I'm not going to get there. We're not going to get there, but I will say that you, you see where I'm going here. Like you, you, you have these different products. So marketing drives the bus on a lot of these things, because again, there's just not enough means or in some cases, there's not the right methods to collect data to really definitively say, hey, this works or doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And even then, it's only one study in a lot of these cases. A lot of times, some of this stuff doesn't get replicated across multiple sites. And it's just taken this fact that, hey, because of this one study that this is the way it is. All that stuff in reality in, in, a, in a true scientific community would spur on more investigation in yep. different branches of hey, they did this and this is the methods and materials they use, but what if you branched off and did it this way and under these conditions or this variable was controlled and this one wasn't, so on and so forth. So it's it's interesting to see. It's really disheartening too that there's not more of that at a research level, um, whether it be through university or uh, from manufacturers that step up and want to prove their claims. And I think that's where some of this whole if you want to call it a controversy, I think, I don't think it was uh, a controversy until people reacted the way they did. And there's certainly everybody's within their right to have their opinion and their own emotions. Right. But when it comes at the expense of disregarding what, okay, can you objectively look at something? You know, mm -hmm. it's real, real easy to be subjective and say, Oh, I just like what it does in my grass. That's fine. If that's how you feel, then just say, hey, I like what it does for my grass and I don't agree with your opinion. Okay, boom, done. We don't need to get into, you know, yo mama jokes and, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that where it's like getting personal. It's just, and that's how I think you see it at a professional level. So like you made some really good observations in that um, about uh, like golf, for example. So like there's a, there's a big, um, I would say a big movement, but more so in um, Europe, in some areas of the some areas of the United States, there's this whole thing. It's an older idea called the disturbance theory, where they literally try not to aerate at all, if at all, on especially sand-based uh, 
like putting greens and things like that um, for various reasons. And the majority of it is trying to favor bent grass over poa annua, right? Mm -hmm. So in Northern climates, that's a big deal is trying not, you know, a lot of greens are a mix of those two. And a lot of times when, when people try to go and combat that, they will do a variety of different things. So that's one reason. But like I said, there's no disagreement in saying, Hey, you're an idiot because you don't terrify. There's nobody that, that gets down to that level. It's, Hey, listen, this person is at their property and they're doing what they feel is best. And they're trying to do the, the best thing that they can. Now there's also people too, um, that are at a higher level that might not be a manager necessarily of a, of a turf, you know, uh, whether it be a sports field or a golf course or something like that, of a turf situation that are trying to call out and say, you should look at that a little bit more objectively. You should look at that and, and ask yourself, am I doing the best thing I can? Is this the best way forward? And what else have I maybe not considered that would want, you know, want me to do better. So, and that's, you, I'm sure that's hard yeah, in our world ahead. today in general, because of how everything's gotten so sided in all aspects of life. And that once sure. people are told that they, that their side is, is maybe not correct, then they freak out because social media allows everybody now to fight all day long about your opinion and you never get anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Twitter, but I go there now and every day I see something and it's just an endless conversation of people arguing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that. I just, uh. well, and that's, that's, that's what I'm saying is I wish, and, and again, I, I'm nobody that there's going to be, you know, a couple thousand people that listen to this and I'm, I'm just talking right now to you and to you, Ryan, or like, that's it. You are somebody, are Ryan. People are just sitting in and listening to our conversation of BS right now. But I wish that, you know, that energy for whatever thing, and especially for turf, I mean, for goodness sakes, like we can, we can kill it all off and grow it back in eight weeks if we had to for, you know, for goodness sakes, like just chill out. And that the, the, the energy that you have in a given day is finite, right? You don't get any more, you don't get any less. And if it's spent arguing or worrying about what another person said that offended your ego or belief structure. It's like, dude, just take that and try to get a little bit better at something. At least consider the other side, at least think about um, what that other person might be going through because they say that, Hey, this is the best product in the world and you got to try it. And it, it stops there. Um, there have been so many different products and different pitches that I've heard over the years. And, you know, and it, it's not just turf stuff, but turf is a good market where there's a lot of emotional attachment. There's a lot of ego behind um, how people feel. I mean, geez, like the, the whole, uh, the domination line, that's the thing that like yeah. blows my mind. That's like, if I, if I was going to do that, like I could, I could blow it out of the water. That's fine. But, I have two neighbors and they could give a shit less about their lawns. So yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it would be like, it's like that episode of Seinfeld when Kramer goes and uh, does karate, you know, and he's beating up all the little kids. And then at the end of the episode, they gang up on the alley and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> like, that's what I feel like it would be. Like they would, they would corner me in an alley in my neighborhood and beat the crap out of me. So like I said, it's just, it's all psychological. I know we've kind of gone down a real big tangent here, but 
I, I don't know what you're, you're at a higher level. You see this at, you know, 50,000 feet, you know, how, how do you want it to go from here? If you had your druthers, if you were the, the president of YouTube turf, which you kind of are because you're, you're, kind of a big deal no no which by the way i have to say i wish i wish i had this because i don't think i saved it but somebody a couple days ago on our first episode of the podcast that we had on youtube they said i wish that ryan and all caps not ryan nor had his own podcast because he's so good to listen to and he's extremely smart so i forgot I don't even to, know who that is i forgot to tell you ryan because they want they, one fan. They want me gone, yes. and they want you solo. So. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? We'll have to do a. Uh, we should write up to uh, this. Is this kind of gives me a good show idea? We'll have to write to the fine folks at uh, Keystone on the Twitter machine and see if they can send us both like a thirty rack, and we can see if we can uh, we can how many beers we can kill before we pass out on a turf cast. <laughs> how long can we keep talking for? I would be all into that. Uh, we might have to do that one in person, I think, would be even better. Oh, that would be killer. We'll, we'll get to that point. We'll get to that point. But no, like, what's your – I'm not saying pick a side because I'm I'm completely down with uh, with your viewpoint. I, too, I think for me, the, the thing that I try to do the most is just – try to get as many opinions as I can on something that I feel like I don't know. Maybe I don't have a strong opinion on. I guess right now I would say mechanical aeration is one of those things for me. Like I've used it in the past. I continue to use it. I have never felt that it has caused any major harm in my life or in my yard or anything like that. So do I have any strong opinion? I know. So right now, even Matt was saying in that video, I saw in some of the comments and stuff, and he was like, well, I don't really like mechanical aeration either, if we're being honest. Like, I don't really think that in most situations in a home yard that it would ever be necessary. So then I'm like, okay, well, I need to learn more about that because I need to understand why and I need to understand when I'm going forward, like, what is my opinion then? I need to gather information and sort of make my own thing at that point. But I think with the the thing that I've always talked about with you too is that it's just interesting for me because I have such a responsibility on my shoulders to present all of this stuff to people and not only at the you know with what my knowledge is currently, but hopefully at the best of my ability give that information properly. Whatever properly in quotes is, because like I said, to that's different to different people. Right, and I think too there was there was some backlash about uh, because Matt had put a video up before, and it was it was kind of explaining the benefits of one of those products that mm-hmm. you mentioned, and then it kind of flipped back. Well, you know, now you're saying it's a scam. I'm going to tell you what, like the 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 um, speed at which you have to learn stuff, and I don't know any other industry. I, I can imagine like being in IT and like how quickly you need to continue to adapt to, to keep up. I don't know that world, but I got to think it's, it's pretty or intense. Like, or like my CPA who every single yeah. year, the tax law changes extremely fast and all that. Yeah. Right. So same thing. Like it, it's, it's a moving target for us too. And there's no hard, fast rules like that where, the, you know, in IT, like the, the tech is the tech, you know, who's developing it, you know, 
you know, sort of the background stuff of how it's all put together. And, you know, there's, I'm sure that there's, you know, groundbreaking stuff or whatever, but in turf, a lot of this stuff just gets sort of recycled, not over and over and over again, but it gets refined, right? So if somebody has an idea and says, you know what, I, 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 that, you know, we've seen these arcs of products where there's, you know, usually something that comes out and there's a bunch of early adopters and they take off on that. And then a bunch of people kind of tail it like a comet and it's streaking across the sky. And then if it's a good product, it kind of stays in orbit, right? It just kind of keeps going, which comets don't do, but you know, it kind of stays in orbit and it just becomes a part of stuff. And I'm trying to think of a good example of that, but I can't right now. And I, I don't want to mention any products by name necessarily, but, um, and then there's others that that comet fizzles out and you don't hear about that stuff for a long time. And there's stuff that has sort of come back around here uh, from, you know, 20 years ago that I can remember people pushing back then. I mean, how the, okay, a good example, I will give you a good example without brand names, but, um, the peptides that everybody is clamoring over and they're, they are a great product. 20 years ago, there was a, there was a product that came out that was a soy, soybean extract, a peptide basically product that was manufactured by a company called Daniels and Daniels turf made this stuff 1035 and they added a couple of things to it to get the P and K in there, but it was a great product. And it was because of that, that idea that, you know, long story short peptides are pretty really really efficient way to get in into the plant and then some of this root here promoting stuff that came along after the fact they found better ways to make it uh, and extract it and it's become more present in ag and then it's kind of worked its way down in turf a lot of the major manufacturers now have a peptide product in their portfolio um, and it's very very they made it a lot cheaper too over time. Mm -hmm. So like I said, this all arc of, you know, 2000 to 2004, that, you know, you couldn't find this shit because it was flying off the shelf so quick. And then it kind of, kind of rode its arc and started on the downside. And then from 2010, uh, till about 2018 or so, you heard nothing of this stuff really, you know, and it was just that evolution of product. And so that, that kind of stuff happens and that happens with knowledge too of these products and of what they can do and what's being presented to us because the research in this uh, field takes a long time. It's not like tech where it, you know, it just doubles every 18 months and that's just the way it is and everything like that it just doesn't happen in turf and it's, it's, it's clunky and it's unfinished and it's tough. So yep. like I said, I think that's, that's sort of the, well, the big deal is that there's flip flops. And the most important thing for me, and this is just my personal opinion on that and how, but I want to be able to feel or feel comfortable that if I know something different now that I should be able to say, like Matt did, he came out and he said, yeah, well, I made that video before, but that's what I thought. And this is what I think now. And I'm okay completely saying that maybe I was wrong before. And maybe I, like, like I said, it's up for debate, but you have to be willing to say, to come out and say, yeah, I didn't know something at that time. And now I think I know something different. Like, otherwise there's no progress being made in our lives whatsoever. If I we... think the best, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think your, your approach has always been in a very similar mind. I think that's why we gravitate is just keep asking questions, keep asking questions. And it, and it works in a lot of ways because you can learn a hell of a lot. You know, I have no problem being the idiot that 
asks anybody any question and hey just tell me what, what do you know about this and um you can learn a lot in that respect of just gaining knowledge but you can also figure out too because if you you know sometimes if you get into a bullshit artist and you get to about the third or fourth question and they're like well uh maybe this uh okay like either you don't know your product or this product's bullshit or this this technique's bullshit and it goes in anything in life i mean we're, we're talking turf here but it's in general as well but yeah it, it's it's just disheartening to see this whole us versus them the good guys versus the bad guys the mechanicals versus the liquids like Dan, this isn't Romeo and Juliet bullshit, guys. Like it's just, it's just, it's just grass. It's just grass. So let's so. go to your actual opinion of a, let's say a homeowner lawn and mechanical aeration, which was sort of the typical thing that, like you said, if you look up anything, you get some sort of newsletter somewhere along the line. It's going to say, yeah, from the some company, you need to do fall aeration. Like you need to do this, and we'll come do it for you. What What is your actual opinion on that? I think that the the idea of aeration in a home lawn is very, in a general sense, is one of those things that it is a it's a good idea, but it is not a necessity. I'll say that. And there are certain types of soils that would predispose themselves and help. It would help if you did aerify. And the reason I say that is. Uh, you go back and look, and if we're just going to go on numbers and, and, and just try and look at those, like reduce, uh, we, I think there was a, a couple of different reasons listed in that, you know, as far as gas exchange. So we can talk about that in a minute. Water infiltration. Yeah, that's, that's important too. Don't get me wrong, but bulk density, that's the thing that's going to move the needle. So like, okay, why do you backfill holes with sand, Ryan? That would be to change that density. Correct. Yeah, it's a lighter particle going into where a heavier. So bulk density, the number of grams per soil per cubic centimeter. That's the that's the 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 metric that we use, right? So if I lower bulk density, that creates more uh, what we call non-capillary pore space. So bigger bigger macro pores where air can live, and so. Those tighten up over time, roots and everything, that whole root cycling or root sloughing off effect, those create more capillary pore spaces. Capillary are the finer ones that hold water. So a perfect soil, right, is 50% soil, 25% air, 25% water. We know that doesn't exist. You know, on your native clay loam soil that's out there in Iowa, there ain't 25% air and there surely ain't uh, 25% water out there, unless it's a rainy day, something like that. So I think in those heavier soil situations, it, it does help to reduce that bulk density to create that pore space because um, that's where air and water live in the soil. And those are two critical components, right? So in changing that, you've got a couple of things working against you. And that's the fact that the, the equipment that is so frequently used for home aerations, whether it be through a landscape contractor a rental yard, like that guy that had the cigarette dangling off his lip when you came back to get the aerator at your place <laughs> <laughs> there in Iowa. What do you want? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> this the aerator, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I can picture. Anyhow, you can't uh, aerate right how, now. That's what they. Oh, that's right. You can't. You Everything. can't. You can't air. Yeah. 
I mean, is there is there a ban on that? I mean, what are we uh, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> I could say uh, anyhow. No, I was I was going to say you know the governors or whoever you know the local health boards haven't uh, prevented me from poking anything during this time, sir. <laughs> anything, anything. Trust me, guy. But anyway, um, you know the the equipment that you have is substandard. And the reason I say that is, you know, we look at, there's this old thing from the USGA and it's completely anecdotal. USGA is the United States Golf Association. If you don't know, they have a a section within their uh, organization called the green section. The green section is a group of, uh, I can't remember how many now, but maybe about 10 to 12 agronomists that are kind of spaced out all over the country. And they serve golf courses and their needs for anything from uh, consulting to advisory services on construction, maintenance, so on and so forth, right? So these guys travel around each of these uh, consultants or or agronomists, they see, oh gosh, at least 100 to 150 golf courses a year, some some maybe more. And so this this idea came out from them maybe 15, 20 years ago, eh, about 20 years ago, that um, the best greens that they were seeing and this was whether it was uh, a native soil push-up, anything to uh, complete uh, USGA root zone, or anything in between, that if folks were affecting 15 to 20 percent of the the surface in a given year, that those were the folks that were having the best success in terms of you know for them managing organic materials so that it doesn't get too mushy at the top, which isn't a really important thing in golf, not so much in a lawn situation, but also in overall performance of that root zone, right? So that water could, you know, drain down through it. Uh, Again, whether it was a native soil push-up or USGA or anything else in between. Um, And so that 15 to 20% mark sort of stuck, right? So the basic home lawn air fire that you get at Home Depot, the local rental yard, or that um, a lawn care company would come out and do, you know, for a fee, those might affect maybe 2% at best, maybe 3%, depending on the spacing, you know? And so it's real easy to figure out if you want to know what that, um, what that is. So we all know that um, the area of a circle is pi times radius squared, right? So you can take that and then just take and count how many holes you have in a square foot, right? So typically you're going to find, I just was watching, um, Somebody this past week, uh, a client of mine that's just got a regular pool behind type uh, solid tie and aerator that's going through and trying to do is just do whatever they could uh, to keep things moving forward, keep water moving down and aerating soils, that sort of thing. But in any event, five holes in a hundred and 144 square inches. Right. And these were three quarter inch tines. So just do the math real quick. So times this times 3.14 times five. So that's 2.2 square inches divided by 144. They were affecting 1.53% of the surface. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we would have to go over that surface in effect, even on native soil, 20 divided by 1.5. That's 13.33 aeration. So, We'd have to go over that surface 14 times really to, to hit that number. 
Now, there's definitely systems that it, it, it doesn't require you getting to that 20% mark for it to work. And on a native soil home lawn, I would not recommend that. What I mean, though, is that you still would have to get that number up even, say, halfway to that point, say into that five or six or seven times a year range to really, really make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just the, the, uh, the space, the area, not even the volume, right? So then there's this whole thing of uh, if we continue to use the same type of variation equipment like you get from the rental yard, you might get down, depending on the soil moisture and the uh, composition of your soil, maybe you get down an inch, maybe you get down two inches, three inches, probably no more than that uh, with those types of aerators, maybe four inches if you're lucky, okay? And what happens over time is you start to affect, and especially as you do it more and more often, is you create, have you ever heard of the term plow layer? Like you hear from farm and agriculture? Yeah, yeah. So a plow layer means basically just below the level that you're affecting that it's hard pan. You know, there's a there's an impediment there because you haven't penetrated that soil. And you've also been sort of, depending on if you're solid tining or hollow tining, you're pushing uh, stuff down into it. And so that creates an issue. But yeah, so there's there's definite um, there's definite need on the aeration side to sort of push forward and, and, and do what you can, but uh, you're you're fighting a losing battle. So you know, like what you want to do with getting a pro core, like that's a whole different animal because now you can affect uh, you know five and six and seven percent of your surface of the, at the same time. That's a lot. That's pretty aggressive. Like I wouldn't go really above five at one time. That's, that's a very, very aggressive variation, but um, yeah, in, in most setups on that machine, you're easily in the three to four range each time. Mm-hmm. So now you back that down to, you know, two or three or four times, depending on how you set your tines up. And that's a big deal. So the equipment isn't there. Um, and so, like I said, you just, if, if you're going to do it, you got to be committed to it. And if you're just a check the box type of person, it's sort of irrelevant. Okay. So on a golf course, let's say, I know around here, most of them obviously can't afford to do top dressing on things like fairways. Like most of them, they're, they're of course taking care of their greens, but they still are aerating those fairways usually a couple times a year. So what do they do in that case with cores or that sort of thing? Like, because I wouldn't assume maybe just dragging them. Yeah, so a lot of times what they what you would do is just uh, take those cores and depending on what the situation is, usually uh, drag those and, and just break them up and then return that loosened soil back into the holes basically to fill everything. So you've created a channel and you've loosened, so you've, you still have uh, decreased the bulk density, but over time that soil will return to um, a more compacted state, right? So you do get the advantage of, you know, increasing um, infiltration rates because you've affected again in a situation like a fairway, you know, with a three quarter inch tine of three by three or three inch by three inch spacing, something like that, you might get, um, you know, say four, 4%, something like that. I'm not probably even 4%, probably closer to like two and a half or three. And so um, that increase in, in water infiltration and decrease in bulk density, those are all benefits uh, of why you would want to continue to aerate. Okay. 
So let's go over. I had a couple questions on my actual sand project that I was doing and sort of what I need to address with it going forward or maybe that I could do slightly better that I was going to ask you about. And then I think we could get to a few questions from that video as well that I was Mm -hmm. asking you maybe throughout the week too, specifically some stuff about mixtures and all that stuff. So with the sand, I would say what I have noticed the most, and this is only a couple weeks into it, so I don't have enough experience to say what's going to happen long-term, but I would say right now, I feel like I got a pretty good sort of even layer on everything. Some of the low spots got some sand, and some of the high spots got some sand, and I tried to focus more on some of those low spots, but I feel like at this point, yeah, maybe like it's still kind of just added a layer to everything. So some of the bumps are just still bumps. So what would be something you could look at going forward, also thinking about whether or not I do the method of actually sort of throwing the sand on or whether I continue with like a top dresser? Because after using that machine, I probably won't be breaking my back as much in the future. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tool to have around for sure. Um, with the high spots and low spots, I think the the number one thing is, you know, the level on and those um, rigid type mats will help to a certain extent, but they're going to, unless you're carrying material out in front of it uh, or behind it as you push and pull, like with a level on, if you're pulling, say a rigid drag mat, like one of those um, steel mesh mats, it's going to be kind of tough to get everything knocked in there. If you go slow enough and if you use, um, one of those steel mats that's flexible that will kind of follow some of those contours. And you're also dragging material that will help kind of pull stuff into those, um, those holes. And that might be something too, that you kind of just need the spot address that you need to go out there and put material in the smaller holes, drag that in, smooth it out just in those like very localized uh, spots as opposed to just hoping that, you know, you've spread enough around because that's, it takes a long time and you beat the crap out of stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's what I noticed was I, I had all those piles put out there and then I spread that all out. And then, you know, I, I pulled the drag across it once too. And I saw where all the low spots really were, which I, you know, kind of after you mow, but you could see, but then I was like, well, those are too low because they are completely smothered. So I didn't want to kill all that stuff. So it's a playing a game there between how much can you, fix those spots without you know you still you're still brushing things into but yeah it was interesting how big are the spots how big are the spots um i mean some of them some there's a couple channels that i have that like specifically where they put irrigation lines in and drove that machine down and the vibratory plow and there's just some areas like that that I have some spots that are kind of like a little channel that never really recovered. It's just you can kind of feel the bump there. Or I have some other spots that are more, I would say they're only maybe a couple feet by a couple feet where you just something changed there with water runs there more or whatever. So, I mean, those I saw a video that was recently posted on this. And the way they did it... Uh, uh, was not good. It, it kind of, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, the, the comment I made was like, wanted to, uh, take a drink at five o'clock in the morning when I watched it just to take the edge off after watching it. It was tough, but 
That's when yeah, we usually the, meet, Ryan, because I'm still up and you are up. That's that's again our our odd couple situation is more about in our uh, sleep schedules and, and all that kind of stuff. Where I'm the crotchety old man and you're still living that uh, that college life, which sounds good, it really does. But man, you know, there was a week a day last week I went to bed at like 7:30 p.m. <laughs> you know, like. Didn't even get a chance to watch Wheel of Fortune. You know, how awful is that? Jeez. My wife so that's- asked me a couple of years ago. She was like, do you think you'll ever go back to being like a normal person where you go to bed at a normal time? And I said, absolutely not. There's no chance. I shit you not. Just last night, my wife asked me, she's like, remember when we first started dating and you would go to bed at like seven o'clock in the morning and wake up at like two in the afternoon. You think you'll ever go back to that? I said, there's absolutely no way I could do it. <laughs> like I just, my, my body's wired now, you know, from working on the golf course and waking up at four o'clock every day to now my son is like a, you know, he's eight years old. He's like a rooster. Like that kid's up before the crack of dawn every day. And which is great. You know, it's time for us to spend together and chill and do whatever. But uh, I'm usually, you know, working on something or, helping them cook breakfast or whatever. But yeah, so I don't know that, uh, I probably could, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. That's the time we meet. But anyway, I digress. So this whole idea that I was going to say is what about, um, either plugging and I would not use a pro plugger. I'd send you a link to a different tool to use, but plugging those, raising them with soil underneath, and then maybe leaving it just a tiny bit low, and then top resting up to get yourself perfectly matched up. Yeah, I could probably. Ah, so you can sod cut the big long ones. And then the other ones, like we use this plugger. It's nice. Um, it's called a hex plugger. I don't know if you've ever seen one before. Mm, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it's got flat sides. So you can kind of fit different shapes together. You know, if you've got a square area or a triangular area or whatever, I wouldn't use it for like many, many square feet. But if you had a smaller one that was, you know, like a two by two or something like that, it would be a good, I would do that rather than a side cutter. Cause it's really hard to be that precise with the side cutter. Well, so, my, my other idea, I think going forward was like you were talking about doing maybe smaller, more often like light layers into those sections with the sand and just, sure just focusing on those instead of putting it on everything at all the times. Yeah. And that might be something too, where uh, if you can find, a good top dressing supplier and just get kiln dried bag sand. And you're going to pay for it for sure. But just to have that in the garage and throw out the spreader and go out and just dust those areas like every week or 10 days. And even hell in the winter time, that's something um, you could definitely do in the winter time because yeah, your grass isn't growing up through it necessarily, but it's also settling down between freeze and thaw and all the precipitation, whether it's uh, liquid or frozen that you're getting it's getting pushed down in the canopy way better than it would, you know, other than maybe just a big, you know, gully washing thunderstorm. So boy, that would make for a great video on YouTube of me spreading sand during the during the middle of January. Oh yeah. We I mean, you gotta go. I think it's really just a question. Are you gonna go like elf? Or are you gonna go like full Santa Claus? Or what's what's the what's uh, the uh I think maybe I think, you should go out there in a Packers coat. That'd be great. That'd be oh, some good footage. <laughs> We I'd, love, we I'd love to see you out there in a in a Favre jersey, just spreading the sand. I have you know? I have one of those, but it's the Vikings version. Well, you know, be like uh, you know, 
you can spread sand like Brett spread, uh, sent dick pics, you know, just <laughs> anywhere all the time, equal opportunity. Yeah. If you don't like it, just send it right on back, you know? Oh, so that one girl did and it, it kind of blew up in the media. That wasn't good for him, but yeah, you know, he did win a Super Bowl though. You got to give him credit. So, I'll be the, I'll be the Brett Favre apologist today. I mean, he's a good player no matter. I mean, I hated him when he played for the Packers, obviously. Oh, you had to, you had to, but when he came to the Vikings, I was like, yeah, this guy's kind of fun to watch. He just doesn't care. Like he goes anywhere. Maybe the play was supposed to go the other direction. Who cares? Let's just throw the ball around. So I'll, I'll say this is a total aside, you know, since we're on different tangents, but I have to say of all the teams that I don't root for, but I watched and I felt sorry for, I'm not sure that I've ever felt more sorry for a team than the 1998 Minnesota Vikings Randall Cunningham, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Gary Anderson just misses that field goal. And that was heartbreaking. People don't I, I don't even like – I I man, I remember watching that game live, and I was just like, man, I really wanted these guys to win. I'm kind of I'm kind of hurt, and I don't even like these guys. What's going on? So – Yeah, there's that, that was, there's that one in 2009, the – when Favre the was – Favre, the, yeah. That, yeah, that was the yeah. Well, hey, see, you you have to do the Brett Favre. Maybe you can do the sewn together, like the the Packers and the uh, the Vikings jersey, like your so his mom or something. I, no, no joke. <laughs> After Favre left, I had that jersey, and our punter at the time had number four. After that, so right. I went to a Vikings game and I taped over the name with the punter's name, <laughs> and it, it got so many laughs. It was really good. That is good. That yeah. was a, that was a, a fine idea. So yeah, but yeah. So what, what what else with the sand? What was the question that came up specifically there? Well, I'd say uh, there's there's quite a few questions just about you know I'm talking about in the video sort of the benefits of what the sand does, but also the benefits of how easily I was growing things in with soil before. So I think the natural thing for most people is just say yeah, let's mix those two together. And I'll have the best of both worlds. So that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about was what else you could use. And also, let's say you did a renovation in the future. Like, let's say next year I decide I'm going to do another renovation and I've got the sand on top of here and I need to completely seed into it. Is there any sort of method there that I can use to help with watering and stuff like that? So those were the two things. So just to keep seed moist, you mean? Yeah, just because I raked things in, um, and I just felt like things are just still sitting on top of the sand. Now, I know it's still on this what you would consider the soil, which isn't soil, but it's it's touching, so it's fine, and I rolled it too. But I just felt like it after I started watering and we had all that rain, it just kind of was sitting on top of there, and I'm like, well... Eh. Well, and I... I wonder if, you know, sometimes you'll see this too, where if you get like a hard pounding rain and things puddle, sees the lightest thing, like the least dense thing. And it kind of floats to the top sometimes. Yeah. Especially in sand where there's room for it to work up through. So that definitely could happen. Um, I, in your situation where you don't have a root zone and, and the, the um, integrity of like downward water movement that you really are, are concerned about, I can see using peat moss as a tool. I think if you're going to go to a true sand cap, 
then I'd be cautious about it. Like in, in like doing one little tiny thin layer, like it's an eighth of an inch or just a little less, like it's not going to hurt anything per se, especially if you continue to build up or whatever. But um, yeah, it, Pete would be okay. I mean, in a, in a, in a perfect world, you just keep the water running more frequently mm-hmm. and lower, you know, lower run times basically. And sometimes I get that that's not practical because it's, not everybody has an automatic irrigation system, all those kind of things, but those are things to consider too. If you're trying to truly grow in, whether it be on a cap um, or just into a layer of sand that becomes the, the, the base for a cap. So those two things would work. Um, having the hydros, hydro hydro uh, mulch truck show up at your house, that'd be the yeah. ideal setting because it'll break down and just grow right up through that stuff. But, you know, something to consider. For the okay. future. That's yeah. Nice I, test. I'm considering I always consider all things. It just depends on you what the budget the small is. One. Yeah, you can rent the small one from uh Sunbelt too. You get the little guy. Yeah. Pull it home with your truck. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that one for for next year. That'd be a good that'd be some great content with you shooting out the the green mulch. Yeah, let's do that. I think we could. But how about the sand soil mixture? Let's talk about that. I, I, okay, so in that same video, said person says that, oh, it's a 50-50 soil mix, and that's great. And that there, there's a lot of variables that could go well or not go well. And if you go to the place where they sell you, quote-unquote, just your typical sand, uh, I'm going to tell you that they could give two shits less about making sure that that sand and that soil match up well. So usually you're going to get like a shark sand or you're going to get a river sand or something like that. I mean, it's, it's not going to be necessarily what you would want in a root zone material or something that's going to help you out. So um, I don't see a ton of benefits to, to that. And people might get confused and say, well, Ryan, you said that adding sand to our aeration holes reduces our bulk density. So surely if we add sand into our soil, that's going to reduce bulk density and help us just the same, right? Nope. And we talked about that in our, I think in our last episode where we were talking about the whole concrete idea, right? Mm-hmm. And no, going on top of, again, course over fine, no problem. Fine over course, no bueno. And if you don't have enough coarse sand to mix into fine soil, it's going to turn into some type of concrete and be really, really hard and difficult to grow in, if not impossible. And so, that's the thing is that it's about not only the ratio, but the right components that are going into it. And um, again, at a homeowner level, is all this stuff going to matter? Maybe, maybe not. But man, for what some of these people, this guy was saying on there, they charged him 50 bucks a yard. Like I would have been raging pissed. Wow. <laughs> if they didn't give me a, at least a sample to go test and pay for the test or something like that. Cause that's just, I mean, any dickhead with a front loader can mix two things together and tell you, oh, yeah, that's that's good stuff. That's 50 bucks a yard. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, well, that top, I, dressing, I that. that top dressing sand that I had originally looked at, they wanted like $48 a yard for that, but they couldn't tell me anything about it. They were like, well, it's just See, it's top dressing yeah. sand. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what that, I mean... To you, that could mean something completely different. So exactly, exactly, and so 
are we being nitpicky and are we perfectionist maybe to a certain extent, but it's, uh, you know, you, all these, all these things that people buy on a whim or buy because they're sold because somebody else did it and everything like that. Like think about stuff that you buy in everyday life. Like, would you do that? Like if this guy was on YouTube and says, Oh, these are the sharpest steak knives you'll ever get. I promise you. Look at, look at me cut my steak. Look at how good this is. Oh my God, it's cut right through the steak. Look at that bite of steak. That's a perfect bite of steak because I just cut it with the sharpest knife ever. Buy my knives. Like, you're going to be like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what, you know, what am I doing so on? But now, okay, let's flip that language around. Look at the soil. Look at this thing I just put on my soil and it just did all this stuff. I mean, all this stuff. Look at the soil. Can you see the soil after I did this stuff? Oh my God, look at this grass after I put the grass on this soil. Oh my God, like you got to get some of this because look at this grass that's on the soil that I put the stuff in. Oh my goodness, like it's the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same shit. And people fall for it because they have ego and they have, you know, there's not as much common sense. I don't want to say common sense, but there's not as much uh, emotion wrapped up into a bite of steak. You're going to find, hey, I'm going to find a knife and I'm going to cut this steak open. Like I want this steak because it's good versus your lawn where it's out there for everybody to see or your field or your golf course. And people are like, man, if I don't cut the perfect bite of steak, I'm going to look like an idiot. And I don't want to look like an idiot. I can't have myself looking like an idiot. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here because it's a steak. I know how to do a steak. I know how to cut a steak. I don't need anybody telling me how to do that. Cause I know how to, I got the best knives or do I, well, maybe I don't. What if I don't? And it's just like all that self-talk that, you know, we do it in the professional level too, but it's just amazing how people fall into those traps and, you know, where in other parts of their life, they'd be like, you know, uh, you know, every time you flip past the set it and forget it guy on TV and you're like, that guy. Wow. And, but you go on, you know, YouTube or you go somewhere else for a different type of product and you're just sitting there watching intently. I'm like, okay, when can I buy this? How can I buy this? So psychology is weird. Buying psychology is weird, but uh, it's the same thing for soil. Same thing for all this stuff. If you really care, you're going to get the right stuff. And, you're not going to stop asking questions until you're satisfied. And if you are satisfied, go put it out there and by God, we'll let you live. Yep. So. Yep. Well, I think from all your conversation today, Ryan, you're in the mood for a steak. That's what I think. Uh, you were no, talking no, about Roadhouse not. and all that. Uh, I, did, I did. You know what? I did mention steak quite a bit and I haven't had one in a while, but tonight is uh, chicken taco night. Ooh. It's Taco Tuesday, so we're doing uh, yeah the chicken taco. So I'm kind of excited about that. But just for you, uh, I might do the uh, the fillet mignon tomorrow night. There just you for go. You. There you go. Yes. I make a pretty pretty good smoked steak on my pellet grill. Ooh, so wow, that's that sounds dynamite. When you come out here and visit, when we're all allowed to do what we used to be able to do, maybe someday. Yes. Uh, I will make you one of those for sure. I would, I would be delighted to have that. So that'll be good. Well, my, so. my, uh, 3 PM alarm clock is going off here cause I need to water some lawn. So how dare you neglect it for five minutes? Is this, is this, uh, like free range parenting of the lawn? It's just supposed to go do what it's, it wants to, you know, for five or 10 minutes and you're just going to extend that period longer and longer A, until it can handle what it's on. Yes, exactly. I knew it. I knew it. Yep. All right. Well, hey, it's been a great talk. I know I was uh, I was a little animated at times, and that was that was good. But I was it was a good chat, and like I said, it was kind of a grab bag of topics today. But 
we need, uh, I think we had some good show topics that some folks had sent in and we certainly would like to hear from every, everybody and what they want to talk about right now. It's an important season, you know, like we talked about before, fall is coming up, or well, not fall is coming up, but the end of fall is coming up. And so we got about, you know, here in the Midwest, six more weeks to make some good stuff happen and then settle yep. in for a long winter. Yeah, so. I think next week maybe we'll talk about, I was thinking about that, a, a topic of things are just now starting to barely come out of dormancy here after we got those four inches of rain. So I think that might be a good topic of what should that strategy be going forward since it's more of a condensed season this year before we're getting into cold already. Yeah, I mean, you guys were cold already. So yeah, it, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see what we can do in these next six weeks, but I'm excited to talk about it and we'll explore that next time. Yeah, and we need to have a guest soon. I think we, we should do that too. All of our, yeah, all of our guests uh, so far, I've had two that have uh, agreed to do it and it's just lining up schedules right now between three uh, busy individuals. But no, it's it's coming here very shortly and I'm excited about it. So I know Connor said he wanted to be on sometime, so we could do that. Uh, I, that that's going to be a lot of energy on one podcast, <laughs> no, especially if he gets a couple cokes in him. He's going to be uh, he's going to be fired up. Yep, good deal. All right. Well, hey Ryan, again, always appreciate the time, the chat, and uh, hopefully people will know that we're not crazy by now. I don't know. I'm not sure whether we've we've given a good evidence either way at this point, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal, man. Well, hey, have a good day and good luck with the watering, okay? Yep, we'll talk to you later. All right, see you.